Local Soccer Matters podcast on Garden County Sport with your host, Dan Gorman. Hello, 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 and welcome once again to Garden County Sport Local Soccer Podcast, Local Soccer Matters with myself, Dan Gorman. This week on the on the podcast we have Gary Dempsey. Gary, as most will know, is a Wexford man, but now resides in Wicklow Town. Uh, runs a very successful gym there, uh, and he's a, an illustrious playing career in both here and abroad in Scotland, predominantly. Um, so we'll get to Gary later on, just to catch up on local matters as always. Uh, these few matches played at the weekend um, in the youth section: Wicklow Rovers under seventeen to nil, Arklay United nil, and then uh, a high score in Ockram four, Abermore four draw in the senior section, as the Wicklow League would call it. Uh, weekend to forget in the Leinster Senior in the Leinster Cup. Uh, St. Peter's going down 4 1 to St. Paul's, Carnegie down 7 1 to New Oaks, and Avonmore going out on penalties after a, a thrilling 6 all draw with Barntown. In the Premier Division, then, Glencormick United and St. Anthony was the only clash to survive the weekend, and that saw Joshua Callahan go mad and score 4 goals to help them beat Anthony's 7 goals to 3. And then in Division 1, we had Avonmore B, Ockram 3, sorry, Avonmore B, Ockram 1, Connery 7, Arklow Celtic B 4. Round with eight, Derry Rovers five, a match I covered, and it was um, interesting to say the least. Goals playing everywhere. Uh, Greystones won, Shamrock Celtic won, and then unfortunately, we had two walk covers this weekend. Bayo Alton failed to travel to Arkley United, and Carnew B failed to travel to St Anthony's, which it's obviously always disappointing to see walk covers. So hopefully, it was another one off for the lads. Uh, then also this week, Garden County Sport launched our first ever team of the week. It um, got a bit of a reaction, not quite the reaction we were hoping for. Um, but look, it's a, it's a new venture and we have Cantify's everywhere so we're relying on people to help us so by all means if you're at a match you see someone so playing well please do drop us a message and we will obviously if it makes sense to include on the team of the week just to run through the team of the week in goals you had John Cush who despite scoring conceding six goals apparently by all accounts played very well centre halves then Peter Kennedy and Shane Beaver full backs on the right Janet Smith on the left Sam Callahan. In midfield, then we have Michael Murphy, who scored for Connery. Uh, Alan Harris, who got a hat-trick for Brownwood. Then on the wings, we had Ben, Can- ben O'Callaghan and Cormac and Ryan Callow have more. Then up front, we have Josh O'Callaghan and Andy Doyle, who both managed four goals this week. So I think uh, most of them are speaking of themselves. I think it was mainly just Sean and maybe the centre-halves with a bit of, bit of sick being included. But as I said, we're going by other people's opinions, lads. So just, if you can, help us out as much as you can. Uh, so look, uh, before, without further ado, we'll get Gary involved. Uh, Gary gave about half an hour of his time. Uh, he, we spoke about his time in, in Ireland, Scotland, England, his management career, mental health. Which, if you follow Gary late on social media, you'd see a good friend of his sadly passed through suicide in the recent weeks. And it's something he's discussing lots. And uh, he's gotten quite viral with his videos discussing it, so it's, it's quite poignant. He discusses the betting scandal which Tom suspended uh, while he's outside Pats. And uh, we discuss yeah, many other things in between. So, look, please enjoy. Thanks very much. Here he is now, Gary Dempsey. Right, so we're joined on the line now today by Gary Dempsey. Gary Dempsey, as many will know, had a, a stellar League of Ireland career, also spent time in Scotland and England, and is now back with coach on Cabin Teeley, runs a gym in Town, which is very successful, and many of you may be members of it. Uh, Gary, how are you? I'm okay, Dan, how are you? Ah, not bad, not bad at all now. Um, yeah, we just thought we'd get you on. Uh, obviously, you're, you're technically a extra man, but living a way close, so we've claimed you since then. Um, so uh-huh. you're 39 in January. Um, are you still playing, Gary, yourself, or...? No, I'm not playing anymore. Really, apart from apart from the sort of the charity matches and the exhibition matches now, and uh, the Irish Legends matches and stuff like that. 
I'm actually managing uh, Northern First Team down in Wexford Town now at the moment. So um, that's taken up a lot of my time along with the gym. So um, still got Icky Feet. I still love to be playing. I probably still should be playing, really, because um, I've still got a good fitness level and stuff like that. But just um, I'm enjoying the other side of it now, looking after the team, coaching and managing, you know. Okay, yeah, so we'll just, we'll just to start off, we'll go back to the start of your career. So uh, you just turned 16 back in 1997 uh, and you signed a four-year deal with Everton. Um, obviously, it's, yes. it's half your lifetime ago now at this stage, but how much do you remember about that? Like, it must have been quite daunting as a 16-year-old, especially back then. There wasn't the, the phones nowadays, the social media and everything else. It was a completely different story back then. Yeah, it was. It was completely different, but it was something that I really embraced. Um, it wasn't something that daunted me at all. I'd been, um, well, I'd been traveling away um, I've been travelling up and down to Cherry Orchard anyway every weekend on my own and again at that time we didn't have the no N11 no Gory and our club bypasses so it was a bit of a trek getting up and down every Saturday to play with Cherry Orchard um, you know sometimes I was getting the train up and getting picked up from the train playing the match and getting dumped back at the train station and hanging around for a few hours to get the train back and stuff like that so it was something it wasn't something that daunted me I'd been away obviously with the Dublin DSL team and stuff like that and then I'd been away obviously on trips with the Irish under 15 and 16 and stuff so sort of going away um, especially when it was my passion that I wanted to be a professional footballer it was something that I really looked forward to more than dreaded you know um, four years there were, were fantastic I've, no, I've absolutely no regrets about the four years of Everton um, had a had a chance had a, a sort of a, a chat with Walter Smith towards the end of it about um signing a two-year extension but I just felt at the time I wasn't going to get into the, the Everton first team at the time and I sort of wanted to um, progress and start playing some senior football at that stage you know because um, obviously I'd played with the international side all the way up from 15s all the way up to pretty much 21 so I was at the point when I was 20 now at that stage that I wanted to go and get, get some senior football I was playing I was playing regularly with the reserves there but you know, so resulting football can be um it's not it's not quite the same as senior level football, you know. Mm. But um magic four years there, uh, great people, great coaches, great friends, we had a great team, we won the FAU Cup. Um we did, yeah, we had a great time there. So um yeah, no, no complaints about Everton, I really enjoyed it. And what made you pick Everton at the time? I presume there was other offers as well, was there? Yeah, I have been to I have been to Celtic, Celtic were were really keen. Um, I had been to Chevy Wednesday. I've been to Blackburn. Um, I've been to Crystal Palace. So I, um, I don't know. It was just a vibe that I got there at the time when I was there. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the gig. The people that I stayed with when I was at when, when I was there on Troy were the actual. Um, I actually requested that I I, I went to them when I uh, when I went into my digs and stuff. So yeah, just the all around feel for the place was great. Um, Liverpool is obviously a great city. Um, so yeah, um, it was it was between them and Celtic at the time, and so they just plumped for um, for for England instead of Scotland, really. And you would have with Everton again. You would have played alongside a few household names, obviously like Richard Owen, Francis Jeffers, and you know, there were a few more. And obviously playing for somebody like Richard Owen, who went on to have the career he did, must be something good telling the kids like when they see him that like you play with him. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, myself and Donny were great friends and still are. We we talk regularly. It was great, like that that team that we won the FAU Cup with. We had Leon Osmond, Tony Hibbert, Franny Jeffers, Danny Catamatri, Richard Dunn, 
Um, Dean Delaney was the goalkeeper actually um, who's um, had a really good career in the League of Ireland here um, so yeah it was a great a great time um, my kids have met Donny loads of times and stuff so yeah no it is it was great it was, it was honestly it was, a, it was a fantastic time when Donny got into the first team and stuff at such a young age as well it gave us all um, the encouragement to, uh, to to keep playing and keep working away and that at the time that young lads were getting a shot on the team but Donny was just a phenomenon you know he was just a monster so um, he, he done fabulous there as well you know and obviously after everything um, you moved up the road to Dunfermline um, and your debut Parkhead 66,000 people and you scored as well um, some way to start your career yeah it was it was great well I actually came home for a couple of months first I came home to Bray Wonders um, in between time and I actually got Devil took me to Bray and I I just wasn't playing. I couldn't get in the team. Obviously, they had uh, Collie Tresson and uh, Keith Long and Eddie Gormley and all in the team at the time. And I just couldn't get in. So I ended up going on loan there to Waterford um, and had a brilliant six months down in Waterford. Got got, um, got back in the Irish under-21s from there. And it was Don Givens. The Irish under-21s manager was great pals. He played at Birmingham City with Jimmy Calderwood, who was the Dunfermline manager. And it was Don that made the call to... Jimmy and yeah, it sort of went from there, but it was that happened quite quick. Um, and I had to say, straight over there pre season, first game of the season, I had to sell because the stuff of dreams. And you come over the last 20 minutes and score with your first touch, it's just it didn't it didn't get any better. And then I went on to have a great run in the team, scoring goals and stuff. So, yeah, it was a great start to get me to come in and go on then and, uh, and have a good season there, you know. And yeah, in your first season, you scooped the young player of the year, so obviously the fans recognize as well how well you played. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I got the fans player of the year and the players the young player of the year and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. I'll tell you what was good about it, um, they, they had a rule in the SPL at the time that you had to have like, two or three under twenty one players in your squad every week. Um and sort of with me sort of falling in, in that category, um, it was great. It was I mean it meant I was involved every week, you know. Um and that's what the two Jimmies were looking for were good sort of nineteen twenty year olds that you know, not only um, that they could have in the squad but if they needed to bring them on or they needed them to play in the team that they were good players and obviously it all stemmed from Everton like I obviously my background having, having had four years uh, sort of school and I suppose at Everton I had a good background and a good pedigree to me and obviously all the international stuff so it wasn't it wasn't as if they were taking a punt on a 20 year old straight out of Waterford with all due respect if you get me it was um um, I, ha- I had that bit of experience behind me, you know, so it was great. I loved them from them. It was, it, was, it was brilliant. The two Jimmies were fantastic to work with. And then obviously Hunty and Richie and a couple of other Irish lads signed as well. So it was, it was a great time. And yeah, and also the Farm, obviously the second season, you got to the Scottish Cup final. Um, Celtic got the yeah. batteries that day. And then the third season, because of the Cup final, you got to play in Europe and you even scored as well. So like, it was an action-packed three years you had there. Like You, you packed a lot in the three years you were there. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like this, getting to the Scottish Cup final, um, getting to play in European football, and as you said, scoring a few goals in, in, in the UEFA Cup and stuff like that. It was, it was great, and and that was sort of brought me up to sort of twenty three, twenty four. You know, so it was, it was really good. I mean, and at that time when we were playing, we were playing against the proper Celtic and Rangers teams. It wasn't the Celtic and Rangers teams that sort of ended up when the money sort of um, dried up up there and. I mean, we were playing against like the Rangers team in the middle of the park. You were up against Mikel Arteta, Barry Ferguson, um, that one that the Boers, Michael Michael Moles. You know, it was a proper proper team. 
um, and the Celtic team with Jesus was uh, was even better with Neil Lennon and Stan Petrov and Sutton and Harton and Larson and Jackie McNamara. Like it was, it was serious teams we were playing against, you know. So it was great, great experience um, playing in those stadiums. Um, Parkhead and Ibox even Hearts with 25,000 like they're right on top of you at Hearts so yeah no it was good Scotland was great I loved it and yeah just again to Scotland after uh, Dunfermline you followed Jimmy Calderwood to Aberdeen um, they're just a, there's a few things here I just want to clear up so initially it seems you played as an amateur and as a quote which yes. apparently you said at the time I'd rather be in the dole than play for Dunfermline how true was that <laughs> did you say that <laughs> I didn't say that no um, <laughs> I had said I think that the fact that when because it was outside of the transfer window um, or something like that it meant I couldn't get paid up there so I went up there for like four months without getting paid right. um, so I was an amateur um, yeah so I didn't I didn't get paid up there for the four months I actually to this day don't know where that quote came from um, I think and I probably should have done something about it at the time, but you know, I was sort of fed up with the whole rigmarole of leaving and, and sort of the 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 hassle that goes with that anyway. Mm. That I just couldn't be bothered. Um, it was a, it was a pretty crappy headline now to have in the paper. All right, but um, I mean, I mean, I've been back to Dunfermline and done after dinner speeches and stuff, and the fans have been fantastic. And uh, I always get asked that question and. You know, I, w- I wouldn't disrespect Dunfermline because they were a huge part of my career, and I would never disrespect them that much just to to make a statement like that. Uh, now, I might have said something similar, but it wouldn't have been as derogatory yeah, as yeah. that. I don't, you know, yeah. just I think it might have been actually like I'd rather play for nothing than because I wasn't enjoying my football at the time because Jimmy, the two Jimmys had went to Aberdeen, and uh, Davy Hay and Billy Kirkwood had committed Dunfermline, and Billy Kirkwood myself and Billy Kirkwood didn't see eye to eye and. Um, Billy obviously being a big Rangers man at the time and stuff like that it was just it wasn't it wasn't the same you know um, and obviously the opportunity came to go to Aberdeen even though it was outside the window I sort of I jumped at it you know I knew I had a two year contract there at the end of the four months so um, it was grand I just had to, had to suck it up for four months you know but um, yeah no I didn't I didn't make that that comment Good, good, good to clear it up. Um, and after Aberdeen, I, I think you were offered a contract at Aberdeen, but you turned it down, and then your next stop was Yeovil, which it was short enough with Yeovil, was it? Yeah, it was, um, we were six months at Yeovil, so yeah, we played two years at Aberdeen, so I'm great again, finishing the top three, qualified for Europe, and we were going into Europe, uh, into European football the following season. I'll tell you about what the reason for moving there was. Um, I had just sort of, I'd been in the SPL for, I think that would have been like going into my sixth season. And that season in particular with Aberdeen, we had played, I think it was like Hibs or someone like that. We had played them like six times. So we, And there was a space where we played them every week for three weeks. <laughs> you know, because it was only a 10-team or a 12-team league, you could end up playing the same team if you got them in the two cups, you know, six times you know and it just got a bit not boring but it's just a bit monotonous you know that sort of way yeah yeah um, and I spoke to Jimmy and said look I'm, you know and he was like well look there's a two year contract here for you we want you to stay um, but you know it's down to you and I was like gee that's a fancy we crack at England um, I had a couple of offers down to go down around England as well um, Doncaster the over were actually riding high and, and in the summer when I agreed the pre-contract with them they actually got beaten in the in the league one playoff finals to go up into the championship. 
So, I mean, potentially I could have been going straight from the SPL into the championship in England, which, which would have been brilliant. But I think it was Blackpool that done them in the final. Um, we've done six months. Yeah, you're right. We've done six months at Yeovil. I actually broke my foot pre-season. Um, so I had to go and cast for eight weeks. Um, came back. I think I scored like three or four goals in 10 games. And, and then Brian Kerr, um, who obviously managed me all the way through the school boys with the international setup, rang me out of the blue about coming back to pass. Um, Louise had had just had Jack at the time in that in that January, and so I said, "Well, look, will we will we head home?" Obviously, the money that I was being offered at Pats was just off the wall at the time, um, and it, it sort of gave us a good chance to get home and buy a house and so on and so on. So, yeah, managed uh, stay there for six months and then come back to Pats and straight into sort of trying to win the league there and European football and all the all the stuff that we had at Pats. And how much did you kept up the day with League of Ireland when you were in Scotland and over? Like, was it something you were always keeping your eye on, or were you kind of heading back? A bit yeah, I would have had like yeah, I would have had good friends. But I would have had like obviously, obviously, I had the affiliation with Bray with with Devil, um, but then I would have had friends playing at Shells at the time. Like Glenn Fitz would have been a great friend of mine, Glenn Fitzpatrick, who I stayed with when we were um, in Scotland and stuff. Um, or sorry, when I was in Dublin when I was playing with Charlie Archer, I, I stayed with him most weekends. So obviously he was doing well, UCD, Shells, Pat and stuff. So yeah, I, I wouldn't have been keeping a mad eye on it or anything, but I knew it was at that time, you know, Boz and, and Shells and Pat and all, they were all good big clubs and big teams, you know, and it was quite competitive. Um, and when you were with Pat's, um, there was obviously that incident where you were not playing in a match and you had it in the accumulator and then you got suspended <laughs> um, because of that. Can you explain yeah. the situation to us? Yeah, um, basically what it was, we were uh, what we were out, but we were out in the second leg of a European game midweek, I think, and we were playing, we were playing Galway at the weekend, um, and obviously we 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 knew well, every 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 man in the street knew that we we were putting out a, a second string, and it was just for it was literally a bit of development in the stand, uh, took out the phone. Opened up the 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 betting account and done a a twenty euro double. I think it was us. I think it was Galway to beat us, and um, I think it was like Newcastle to win or something like that, or whatever it was. But anyway, um, just and again, it was just a bit of gander in the stand. I think I stood to win. I think it was like a hundred sixty euro or something like that at the time. So it was a bit of fun, but the whole story behind that was was just crazy. And um, we were called in and. Uh, Richard Sadler at the time said, look, there's been massive money um, made on this game. Now, I know for a fact that there was lads in the dressing room did have massive money on it, but I wasn't going to hang anybody out to dry. So I just said, look, I, I had 20 euro on it. Is, this, is, is that it? Like, And he was like, no, no, that's not it. But then, obviously, of course, nobody else opened their mouths. Um uh, uh, sort of Richie had said that the, the press had been on to him and that they, they'd got wind of some you know lad had made a lot of money on the game and yada 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 so, so I thought that was it I thought that was the end of it and then obviously no one else opened their mouth and then basically then they hung me out to dry they were looking they needed somebody um, like Richard Sadler who should have just went back to the, the guy from the press that rang him and said no it's, it's, uh, it's not true nobody had a bet on the game you know and that would have been the end of it, but um, they yeah uh, they needed a scapegoat and they hung me out to dry. Now I was I was actually wanting to go after everybody and every and everything because 
like betting in the League of Ireland amongst um, players and, and managers and, and staff at the time was like it wasn't a big deal. People done it. They they they, they bet on you know other teams and their own teams and stuff like that. And I just felt that I was getting fed to the wolves, um, and I probably should have went after it, but. I decided just to take. I took it, took the head, and took it on the chain, and I, got, I think I got suspended for what did I get? A five game ban or something like that. Can't even remember what it was. Now. I think it might have been a ten game ban. And I got it down to four or something on appeal, and lost two weeks' wages at Pat and stuff like that. So that was um, that was a crazy time. That was yeah. I didn't like that because the the the, the news, the the TV tree, and all these. We just were out on the street talking to Pat fans, and there were. They were hammering me and stuff, and Louise was sort of watching it and sort of affected her more than me. I didn't, I didn't give a shit to be honest, but um, it, it, it was hurtful. Um, and I tell you, it was more hurtful that the players and the club didn't back me at the time because I played literally every minute of every game for them. And um, although it was a stupid thing to do, it was what it was, and I think the majority of the people, even my teammates, seen it for what it was. Um, but. I didn't get any backing from any of them. They they, they hung me out to dry basically on my own. So and did you do a few friendships uh, over that, like at the time? Well, sorry. Did you do a few friendships over that at the time, like that the lads didn't? Not really, no, not really. I wouldn't have been mad pally with any of them anyway. Dan, to be honest with you, there would be teammates. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been. There wouldn't have been a whole lot of them that would have been out going out for a bite or a few beers with anyway. But I did. I did express to the magic group that you know I was getting battered from pillar to post in the papers and the radios. And TV, everything, and none of them, like none of them, come out and said, "Look, he's played every game. He's been one of our best players all year." Even, even Johnny McDonald, the manager, even Richard Sadlier, you know, just none of them come out. And I, I had a meeting with Sadlier. I went to his house and said, "Look, I'm getting battered here, like, and it's clearly wasn't me that you were after. There's obviously, you know, and me being, being sort of honest." I should have I should have kept my mouth shut. But the problem and another issue that I found afterwards that the captain and the vice captain at the time knew what the meeting the, the meeting that was called with Richard Salier they knew beforehand what it was about and they didn't give us the heads up. So you know if I had been captain at the time I would have said right boys look we're getting called in here for someone someone that they're having a bet in the game whatever and you know say for example Glenn Fitz said well look I put twenty quid on the I would have been saying to everybody right keep it in house. Nobody say anything. It's not true. Didn't happen. Yada yada yada. And sort of, we all would have battened down the hatches, but that didn't happen. Of course, I didn't know. I didn't know how big or how how bad it was going to be. I just thought, look, I don't. I put twenty euro on. Like if I was doing it, like I was getting accused of match match fixing and all this sort of stuff. Like if I was match fixing, I would have put more than twenty quid on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I certainly wouldn't have had Newcastle in. The, it was actually Newcastle were beaten by I don't know. Man City or something. I can't even remember who what the other team was, but um, it was it was madness. It was absolutely madness. But look, it, it was a it was a harsh lesson to, to learn, and you sort of just had to take it on the chin at the time and move on. You know. Okay, I'm just conscious of keeping you too long, so I'll just skip. Past, obviously, you went to Darlington after that. Um, I'll skip past that because it was yeah. short enough. But then um, then you went to Bray, which is obviously when I would have seen you every week and. I genuinely think every single week you were man the match in that season. I think yeah. you were just. I don't know how you felt about how you played, but you were absolutely sublime in that season. Like every match, you were sensational. And um, was it a good time for you as well? Yeah, it was great. Again, there you're, you're, you're. Um, I, I don't know how old I might have been at that time, but yeah, no, I had a great. I did have a great season that that season. I was in good form, and we had 
we had a good little team at the time um, with Danny Connor and Jay Kelly and Shane O'Neill and Adam Mitchell and all that and Prendergast at the back. So we had a strong little team there, you know, and I enjoyed that team. Uh, I actually enjoyed being the underdog most weeks, um, going up against some of the bigger teams and stuff, and, and we've done well. No, it was, it was a great season. I really enjoyed it. I've obviously got a, a lot of sort of feelings towards Bray, obviously, with, with Devo and stuff like that. Devo being one of my best pals and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that. It was good. It was good at Bray at the time. Excellent. Obviously, yeah, then you went to Ward for a season, back to Bray, and finished up your career with Shells. Um, so we won't touch on them obviously yep. we won't go into too much detail but then your next step uh, again obviously from the local point of interest you took the reins at Greystones how was that for you? Yeah got an opportunity to go in there um, into Greystones uh, as, as player manager it was good I enjoyed it uh, it was the first sort of tipping me toe into the coaching and managing and stuff um, we we would have been favourites to go down uh, the first season we were there and we ended up finishing fifth um, the second season we got to um, the All-Ireland semi-final and we're really unlucky to beat the semi-final at that um, and managed to stay up again um, and then unfortunately the third season we got relegated the problem with Greystones right, and it still is a problem is, is location where it is you can't attract players because you know the majority of the better players are in Dublin and they just won't come down that like as much as they would want to, you know, you'd have players saying, look, I'd love to come and play with you, yada, 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 but I ain't going, you know, a half an hour down the road that far south, like. So had new sign John Lester and he stayed for a week or two and went back or something like that, wasn't that correct? Yeah, we got John in, uh, we, we signed a couple, um, John never sells really, um, fell out with uh, a couple of people there as well and then moved on. I've actually got John with me now at North End, and he's he, he's doing he's, he's he's flying it for me, and I have him in my gym, and I have him training, and he's he's fit as a fiddle now. But yeah, no, John never settled, and we another couple of other players that we signed never settled. So you were sort of pigeonholed in terms of the players that you that you had to choose from. You had to go, sort of go with the local lads, and sort of with all due respect to some of them to, to play in the Leinster Senior League, they just weren't good enough, you know. So we were probably first two seasons punching above our weight and um, unfortunately got relegated and now they're, I know they're, they're struggling in, the, in a couple of the divisions lower like but brilliant brilliant people um, um, Martin Killady who was there who Marty would have been my assistant I had Stephen Brennan in with me as well for a season um, the players big Andy O'Brien Ian Jordan all that great great lad um, Adam Hayden that's going to bigger and better things at Bray now as well Adam yeah we managed to get Adam over to Birmingham for a couple of weeks training and uh, gave him a taste for it and he's gone on to bigger and better things um, Carl Monin and Dan Blackburn who, who I had as well great lads really really good lads um, and have gone on to play at a better level I think Carl might be going into Bray this year and stuff like that and I don't know what Dan's doing actually with Ka- if he's staying with Cabo or what but yeah, no, it was great. It was great. I enjoyed it. Again, dipped me toe into it and then sort of took a season out and uh, I'm down with North End now and we're playing in the Junior League in Wexford but we're, we're very, very strong. We've got a lot, a lot of good players but um, they're a tough group to manage in terms of they've been getting away with murder for years um, and sort of a little bit of discipline now for them and stuff. They're finding it. Some of them are finding it a bit hard but they'll be all right. They'll be all right. <laughs> And you have your hands full, obviously, full-time. You're, it's Wicklow Town your gym's based in, isn't it? Yeah, we're in Wicklow Town in the gym now. Yeah, we bought an old section of Wicklow Town and sort of converted it into sort of a wellness centre. 
Um, so yeah, we're doing like seven or eight classes a day, and then we we just put in a new gym, so the gym is there now as well. Yeah, so a lot going on. Um, quite a month this month. Um, obviously everyone's uh, Christmas party and, and sort of everyone's chilling out now for the next few weeks. But uh, mad, the madness will start now in January. And, and what's the Facebook know, so. page in case anyone wants to look it up? It's called Match Fit Fitness. Yeah, so it's Ma- Match Fit Fitness is the name of the Facebook page, and we have our own app. It's called Match Fit Fitness as well, and that's where you would get uh, our timetable for our classes, and all our information on memberships and stuff like that. You know, so yeah. It's, it's good excellent hopefully a few people will link up just the last thing I want to talk to you about obviously anyone who follows you on social media the last few weeks we've seen um, you've been talking yep. about mental health quite a lot um, it, yes. just from the video you, you lost a friend in mental health um, do you want to just briefly discuss the situation the last few weeks how it's affected you and yeah um, it's the first time obviously look there's, 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 there's poor unfortunate people committing suicide all the time and um, Shane was the, he was the chairman of our club in North Denham Wexford I believe he was only 41 years of age and um, he took his own life. He had four kids, and just the the thoughts of people that that you know, I know, I know they lose their mind a little bit, but just um, it really hit home. Hit home. It's the closest uh, person anyone that I've been to that has done that, you know. Um, and the funeral, and just the devastation that I left behind, and the fact that he didn't ask for help and he didn't speak up. It just really hit home, and. Sort of, I just thought I would use my platform that I have on social media um, with, the, with the following that I have. I mean, I think those videos now are, are up over two hundred thousand hits. You know, um, so it's been it's been brilliant that way. I've had loads loads of messages of people saying that they've watched the videos and have helped them, and they've spoken to their friends. But I think the, me- the general message was for for men in particular to to speak up and and don't suffer in silence and don't suffer alone and don't be afraid to ask for help and you know there's no one going to think any less of you you know you you, uh, you know some people think you know you, you look like a coward when you ask for help but I mean if you're if you are a rock bottom um, sort of what I've been saying on social media and to people is that if you're a rock bottom the only way is up you know and the quicker you ask for help um, whether you be whether you speak to your mate or your folks or your your, your spouse or whatever um, the quicker you can sort of getting better again you know and then sort of a lot of people said that, you know, um, if you've got suspicions of a friend that might be struggling, you know, just make the phone call, knock the door, send them a text because, you know, you really could literally be in, save someone's life. You know, I don't know if, if someone had got a hold of Shane the night before, the day before, but I would have liked to have thought if someone had said to him, you know, are you okay? He might, if it had been the right person asking him, he might have, sort of said well no I'm not I need, I need a bit of a dig out here you know but he felt poor fella that, 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 that for him there was nowhere out and he ended up um, fortunately taking his own life you know a month before Christmas which is which is a disaster but um, I, I sort of made a promise to the family at the time in the graveyard that I would try and turn it into a positive and um, I've actually set up a GoFundMe page there now for PA the house to um, try and raise if we can raise Try and raise five thousand euro before Christmas for PA the House, um, who do great work with people with mental health issues and stuff. So, yeah, uh, the, the sort of the big thing down was that it was someone sort of that I would have seen every week when I was down there. You know, he was would have been always in the club, and you know, just like in like that, he he, he was gone. You know, it was uh, it was a harrowing experience. Now, to be honest with you, 
yeah, it's obviously a horrible situation. And unfortunately, I don't think there's anyone listening who, who doesn't know someone who hasn't taken that part. Yeah. Um, but look, Gary, it's, I've, yeah, I've obviously seen everything you put up the last few weeks. It's, it's a wonderful idea. And please, God, it continues to help someone out there. And if there's someone listening, yeah. again, just listen to what Gary just said there and, and take the best out of it. Um, listen, Gary, I know you're a busy man, so look, I'll let you get back to it. But listen, thank you very, very, very much for your time today, okay? No problem, Dan. Talk soon, pal. Gentlemen, Gary, cheers now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much to Gary Dempsey there for joining us. Um, yeah, I thought it was very good. Now he's discussed lots of things. Very, very open, honest. Um, obviously, he kind of really sad and stuff like that. He, he didn't hold back when he was discussing things like that. Um, and the mental health was quite poignant, as, as I mentioned beforehand. So hopefully this helped somebody, maybe. We don't know. But um, look... If you're out there and you're struggling, Gary's there to help if needs be. Uh, we don't know who's on the guest, who's on the podcast next week. We haven't finalized a guest as of yet, and we do have someone in the pan. We're just gonna wait and confirm then during the week. Fingers crossed. And um, but yet yeah, until then, enjoy the soccer the weekend. As I said, if you're out and about at a match, please do. If you see someone play well, drop us a message. It'll only help the team of the week get better. Um, because last week we had we had 13 players selected, so we are kind of look thankful we got a four for two out of it. But yeah, we are struggling a bit. Listen, lads and ladies, thanks again for listening. Best of luck to the week. Take care, Andy. Bye-bye.